y'all. I'm Opal. And I'm Pearl. And we are the host of Southern Fried Frights. Absolutely, we are skeptical, self-appointed, non-committal, port-swinging investigators. Our tall tales are a bushel of gruesome gossip, a peck of haunting hearsay, and a pinch of salty sass. Lean in and listen to stories of the unearthly, unexplained, and incomprehensible. Send us your WTF What the Fright stories to Southern Fried Frights at Outlook.com to be read from the swing. Welcome. This week we are charting Bigfoot through Canada. We're going to put a few pinpoints in some areas and talk about some true credible stories that will really blow your minds. In 1970, John Rose, a Lexington, Kentucky native, had an experience and encounter with what is known today as a Bigfoot. John's interest in nature, survival, and preparedness began at a very early age with a keen awareness in nature observation, earning him the nickname Nature Boy from the age of three. His earliest formal training began with the Boy Scouts and a very intense canoe and hiking expedition to the Canadian wilderness at age 11. Here is John's story. I was born in Lexington and I grew up uh, downtown in uh, an area with, that was just Victorian houses. I grew up in a, a really big old Victorian house with Italian sandstone carvings. And the, the atmosphere was definitely there for anything that would be, you know, considered. Um, it would be perfect for a horror film. It would, but to me it was home and to me it was a beautiful place. When I was 11, uh, my best friend at the time, who's, uh, and there's an interesting connection with this, but he invited me or his family to go on a wilderness trip to Canada, which was sponsored by a school where I went. And um, he ended up backing out, but I went anyway. He, uh, his family was, was pretty well to do, and, and he was kind of shy and quiet. And I was an outdoorsy kind of person then, and he was not. He was kind of a little bit neurotic and a little bit you know, of an indoor kind of kid. Um, but anyway, I went on this trip to Canada, and this is where I had this pretty intense experience. It was um, in the Boundary Waters, um, north of Ely, Minnesota. There are all of these lakes, and we went on a, about a 110-mile canoe trip, which covered 10 or 11 days. And so we headed out, and it was fantastic. I was 11. I was the youngest person on the trip. And we were camping and portaging, carrying our canoes over these areas. It was a pretty grueling trip, but I loved it. And this is where I really cultivated my love of the wilderness and my love of hiking and, and, uh, and wildlife and the woods. And I thought, this is home. I felt more at home there than I had ever felt anywhere else. We stopped on the mainland to camp where we had been camping on islands primarily. And I was sent with another guy. We were sent out after firewood. And so we're walking you know, around gathering firewood for the camp. And uh, we were out uh, not terribly far from the campsite, maybe 100 yards or so. And uh, uh, we both saw something in the woods and smelled something really strange, overpowering 
body odor, almost, you know, it was human enough to where I, it was almost human, but not quite, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's not like anything I've ever encountered. It wasn't like uh, animals have a particular scent, a smell to them that, that I kind of recognize as, a, as, a, as an animal. You know, it, you know, cows smell a certain way, goats smell a certain way, uh, wild animals smell a certain way, deer and such, and dogs, wet dogs. But it was, it was different. And I was like, what the heck is that? We, we looked at each other, and it was the kind of thing that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It just felt like something was not, not comfortable, something, it was a threatening feeling. So we both saw something dark, uh, maybe 20 to 25 yards away. It was close enough to really feel it and really smell it. And then we heard the sound like uh, something I'd never heard before. It was kind of like what I've heard in recordings is the sound of a hyena. It was a strange sound. I don't, I don't even know. I've never heard anything like it since and, uh, and really hope I never do again, to be honest with you. It was almost supernatural sounding. We looked at each other like, this is really wrong. And then this thing, which we thought might have been a black bear, I knew what they looked like. But it was tall and stood upright, and it looked to be probably between six and eight feet. I would say, you know, it was over six feet, I'm sure, was just hanging out there. And then it just took off walking at a, in a way that a bear would really walk so the legs were longer i know it was not a bear because i know how bears move i know there are grizzlies in that area this and the stride was wider than it was pretty wide stride whatever it had and moved pretty uh with a lot of agility and and uh it took large strides i, I remember being struck by that anyway it, it set off a primal thing in me a primal fear i guess because i didn't even know how to process it I have no idea what it was. Anyway, we dropped our firewood and ran back to the campsite. And I remember we were telling our leaders about it. We were so shaken. And the way he looked at us, he said, okay, we'll just pack up and hit the trail. So we packed everything up and loaded the canoes up. And by then it was uh, starting to get close to dusk. Anyway, we canoed into the night a little ways, probably a couple of hours until we found an island where we could set up a makeshift campsite and we set up camp there. None of us knew what it was, but our, uh, our guide, the person that was with us, the people that were with us, um, were startled enough by our expression and our, you know, our reaction to just not take any chances and pack up and move on. And not much more was said about it. We didn't talk about it. We did. We just kind of went on with our trip. But I remember there was the one time that we had set up camp in the dark. I just remember laying there at night, not being able to sleep, hoping that we were okay because we were on an island off the mainland at this time. It, you know, was was intense, but really opened the door for me as far as as being an avid camper and survivalist and bushcraft person, just studying wildlife. After his experience, John spent time in his teenage years learning from old timers in the Appalachian Mountains and venturing on long solo stays in the woods in West Virginia and Kentucky. After high school, John enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, where training continued with a focus on the psychological aspects of survival in combat situations. When he returned from military service, John studied Shaolin, where he earned a black belt 
and continues to study to this day. His primary interest in the martial art was to gain control of physical and mental aspects of extreme situations. During the mid-1990s, John enrolled in survival classes at the Tracker School headed by Tom Brown, author of over a dozen books on survival and related subjects. He was also a volunteer at the Tracker School where he assisted others with their skills. Continuing his wilderness studies, he learned the basics of survival, gaining knowledge of wild, edible, and medicinal plants, shelter building, navigation, primitive fire-making skills, water procurement, and much more. Being a solitary camper, I asked John if he has had other experiences since his first encounter with Bigfoot. I had some that... Uh could probably come close to that, but nothing as profound as that. I've had some where I actually got a feeling and, and packed my campsite up and left because I felt so threatened. This felt different. It, did, it felt more, um, not, not as menacing as, say, a big cat, but way more threatening, way more powerful. And it wasn't until, I guess, years later that I even saw the phenomena, or heard the phenomena of, of Bigfoot, and I thought, wow, this just sounds seems so much like what that is but i didn't want to say anything because people think i was nuts despite the occasional uneasiness john is not at all put off from his love of the wilderness john works with bluegrass search and rescue where he is a ground searcher and a survival instructor in 2010 john worked as a wilderness guide safety officer and he even landed a lead role in the soon to be released film red river moon Recently, John worked as a wilderness advisor for the Discovery Channel's Man, Woman, Wild. His knowledge base earned the support of the show's hosts, Mikkel Hawk, and others involved with the production. John maintains a website, www.roseworksproductions.com, primarily for his music and commercial releases and soundtrack projects. Also on Rose Production site, John writes articles, publishes a blog, keeps others in touch with survival skills and nature observation, teaches and advises on wilderness survival, bushcraft, urban survival, and disaster preparedness. Okay, so that was a little clip of John's music. It's really great. We've used it throughout this episode. Um, he's just such a multifaceted person. So interesting. And his story of how he started in this, his first encounter. And normally something like this may draw you away from right. wanting to do. It might take you away. But as uh, John mentioned in his story and while I was interviewing him, too, he just has such an interest in nature, wildlife, all of that. He's very you know survival that is what he does he's the kind of guy you want on your side when this world goes upside down yeah for and sure I, <laughs> and i was thinking he would be a great candidate for a loan have you Ooh. seen on travel or discovery channel or whatever alone where they just oh, dump yes and they fend for themselves absolutely and i'm like john would be perfect for that right it's like naked <laughs> and afraid yeah. i've seen i loved watching naked and afraid i mean <laughs> these people the bugs in the crevices why? why why would you sign up for that why would you want to be naked in oh. front of somebody you don't know yeah no i don't, don't want to are they complete listen, strangers i don't want to be naked in my own home <laughs> in front of myself in a mirror let alone put it on national television yeah. okay yeah you would not want no. that no but i kept in my mindset i was like 
oh, John, you'd be perfect. Absolutely. You should audition for that show. Well, you you know, a lot of people now are turning to learning more survival techniques, their own growing their own crops, mm-hmm. things of that nature, because we see what's happening. Mm-hmm. He should start a school, like a little... Living off the grid. Yeah, like, like a little... Like a living off the yeah. grid school. Here in town. Well, his website does cool. do some things on, or he'll answer questions. Right. So if you want to submit a question, he will he will answer it on the website that he has on his. I um, think that's the wonderful. Rose Productions. He's very, um, just extremely. You know, he's into it, and it's a yeah. passion, and exactly. it has to be a passion. Exactly. In order for it to go the way it has gone for him it has to be a passion and i do think that you know it's not for everyone it's, it's like not this, for me it's like the podcast for us yeah it's our passion it's our we passion love it. yeah but i do think it's so kind too because he's not like gatekeeping all these little secrets to himself no. he's so willing to open and share and mm-hmm. help people learn you know and i think that's so wonderful yeah yeah and i mean if you wanted to go on a like on a guided tour in the wilderness or whatever he would be the one to go absolutely not like our guy in the next story (laughs) who was leading young boys into the wood not one that you would want to go no thanks nope Mm -mm. no i just kind of keep that in mind yeah with our next story absolutely i would rather have john absolutely i think even at john at age 11 Right. Would have been better than this guy. Yes. Oh, I, that story is just... I think as mothers, we both were quite upset over, the, yeah, over and, that story. You know, so. we'll let you all decide for yourself when you hear it. Yes, it's a really good one. So mm-hmm. I hope you all Very good. stay tuned Very good. for our uh, next episode, which will be our culmination. But it's going to be a good one. Yes, it is. So yeah. make sure you stay tuned for that and... We also were wanting to have John back. He was very interested in doing another um, episode with us or a couple of episodes that he's interested in. And we're just so thankful and lucky to have him be a part of this and so knowledgeable mm-hmm. and willing yes very willing to help us out and and he's he just like you know it's like pearl said he's just really he wants to share his knowledge and what he knows and we don't get folks like that very often that's willing to share we're coming across that now and you know a lot of folks don't want to share their stories because they don't want anyone to judge them absolutely but you know just no judgment here Never. We give no judgment. We want to hear your story because Pearl and I, we both do. We believe in a lot of this that folks are talking about. And and even if we maybe we don't, we do believe that you believe it. Absolutely. And when you believe something. Your reality is real. Yeah. Your reality is your reality and it's real to you. Absolutely. You absolutely see something. And I definitely think that John's a credible He's definitely, a, this is what they call a class A uh-huh. sighting. When there was actual visual sighting, it's what they call a class A, I yes. believe. Yeah, absolutely. There was visual, and to be that close to smell. Right. And, you know, I I was just also, I didn't ask him how old the other person was with him. Oh, okay. I doubt very much they were sent out a young 11-year-old with a young Another 11-year-old right. is probably an older person. But I would have liked to have known what their reaction, what they said. Sure. Of course, it would have been secondhand coming from John. But Absolutely. I still would be curious to know what 
what did they say? Yeah. Because he said we both saw it and mm-hmm. we both recognized that we didn't recognize it. We didn't Absolutely. know what it was. Absolutely. <laughs> to be that. And for him to say the primal fear, that to me is, that's big. But I can imagine, what if you didn't even know what a Bigfoot was and you saw one for the first time? Yeah. I mean, he hadn't heard of it. No. So to him, it was a, some kind of beast. Absolutely. That, was unknown. It was unexplained. unexplained. Unexplained yes. for him. And then later on to find out, uh, guess what? You saw a Bigfoot. Right. And how validating must he have felt when he really, even though Bigfoot tends to be this kind of elusive mm-hmm. idea that people have because we've never fully caught one or whatever. But how validating for him to be like, wow, this really you did. Know, all these years he had thought about that experience mm-hmm. not knowing and now that kind of came to a culmination for him that's awesome yeah and my other thought was too and i didn't ask him this but it must be the uh i believe that it had its back to him uh-huh. because and i believe they were following the the bigfoot or the right the, animal creature absolutely they were following and that's why they could smell yeah it had passed by there before they got there right and it was heading away from them. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if the thing knew they were there. Maybe not. Isn't because he that... said he let out that scream. Yeah. I'm surprised. I would have been running when I heard the scream. Oh, my gosh. Would you not have ran? Absolutely. I been, and like he said, what the hell was that? I would have become <laughs> an Olympic runner. Yes. <laughs> Nobody would Usain have Bolt, <laughs> get out of the way. I'm passing you by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. But yeah, that was very interesting. And, and John, thank you. Yes, we appreciate it, and um, we'll put a link for his uh, site with his music and stuff so you can uh, hear some more of that if you're interested. Canada's Yukon Territory, a wild land with some 484,000 square kilometers of forest, populated by 250,000 caribou and just 35,000 inhabitants. There are no skyscrapers and few highways here. Our next story takes place in July of 2009, very near where John had his experience north of Ely, Minnesota. The Boy Scouts Handbook by the Boy Scouts of America. Leadership. The most important thing about a camping party is that it should always have the best of leadership. I've been a BSA Scoutmaster for 10 years. And one of my favorite things to do on our campouts around the campfire at night is read Bigfoot sighting reports to the boys from the BFRO website. Nothing makes them more quiet and compliant once going to bed than thinking that the big guy could be lurking around in the dark just beyond the campfire in the woods. The fact that I can make a very convincing bear growl adds to the fun as well. I have done this around the campfire for years, and it has always been great fun. Plus, many of the well-documented sightings make for great entertainment, and it beats the heck out of telling ghost stories around the fire. I always secretly hoped I would have my own encounter someday, and just a couple of weeks ago, I finally did. Oh, dreams do come true, true. guys. When you wish upon a star. But I do want to say, are you nuts? <laughs> I would be. I was. I'm upset as a mother. Well, 
Uh, that doesn't bother me. It bothers me to but no see, end. My little man would be terrified. I, I, you do need to have permission for that kind of stuff because my little man would love it. Anything <laughs> scary, goosebumps. He it, loves it scary been, crap. Couldn't tell me that. Oh no. my God, you tell me that. I'd be like, well, my, I'm packing my own tent. Come back. Like, Y'all are crazy. Yeah. I'm not staying here. Yeah, and I don't like your bear growl either or yeah. your your growl. I would your be so upset. creeping me out. Yeah. <laughs> From July 10th to July 18th, 2009, I took my boys on a camping canoeing trip to Quitico Provincial Park Wilderness Area in Ontario, Canada. The park has limited access wilderness area that requires permits that must be applied for months in advance. It is a huge park about the size of Connecticut. Wow. With 500 to 600 lakes and pristine woodlands and islands. Wow, that is a huge park. There are no roads and no motorized boats are allowed anywhere in the park. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Except for some native Indian guides with grandfathered access rights. Oh, that's cool. It is a perfect place to go for a wonderful wilderness canoeing and camping experience. I bet it is. Sounds like it. Not if there's a Bigfoot afoot. Not if there's a Bigfoot afoot. <laughs> my mama would have never let me go. And yeah. me as a mother, mother I would have said no if my uh-huh. my son wouldn't even be there. I'd be like, no, honey, you. Yeah. I'm, if your dad's gone, yeah, yeah. but you're not going okay, no. without us, one of us. Not into a park that's the size of Connecticut. Thanks, yeah. So. We checked in at the ranger station at Prairie Portage the afternoon of Saturday, July 11th, and then struck out for a sandy beach camping area in a secluded cove on the northeast corner of the Inlet Bay. There's a lot of things wrong with that sentence. Why? Sandy beach, gross. I don't want to camp on a sandy beach. (laughs) Second, seclusion. Yeah. That's a problem. If I'm camping, I like it to be in a designated area with a bathroom that all of us in the whole camping site share. And I like to be able to throw a rock into my neighbor's tent, okay? Ouch! This was a camping area with thick, brushy wilderness extending back into the woods opposite the water for miles. The first night we were there was uneventful, but the second night was pretty interesting. Most of the boys and two of the adult leaders had already gone to bed, but a few of us decided to hang around the fire and just enjoy the evening. Joining me around the fire was another adult leader named Dave, four Eagle Scouts, including two of my sons and my nephew. So that's kind of not too bad. You have three of them are our family and a 13 year old scout. It had gotten dark and we were just shooting the breeze when my oldest son, Andy, suddenly shushed us and said, did you hear that, guys? What do we hear? Is that your mama calling you for dinner? (laughs) I wish. Is that Bigfoot calling you for dinner? Yeah. (laughs) Calling you dinner. (laughs) We all shut up and listened really close. And what we heard startled us all. I've been wilderness camping for all my 46 years, and what I heard next was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. Most animals will stay clear of fires and people, but whatever this was was seemingly pacing back and forth in the woods, just beyond our flashlight range. 
I wonder if he was nervous. I wonder if he was waiting for them to go to bed so he could steal their food. Yeah, I don't think he would have eaten people, but I, I do think he, they make him nervous, and fire probably makes well, him Well, you nervous. hear often that they, they invade, like, they come into uh, camps. Like, they can yeah. hear, and people are like, is that a bear? And, you know, they come out, and their whole camp is tore up. But you never hear them coming when there's an active fire, so I bet they're probably afraid of fire. They don't know what it is. That's true. Know? We heard very heavy bipedal footsteps mm-hmm. walking through the dense brush just beyond our campsite. No, thank you. Crunching twigs and making a lot of noise. Knowing everyone else was already in bed and considering the absolute darkness, the thick brush, and the fact that no one in their right mind would even be trying to walk around back there at night, we all were a little unnerved, to say the least. Ooh, I'm sure. I would be too. That's crazy. That is crazy. So I guess earlier that day, he had gone back in the woods to take care of nature's business. Oh, important business. Mm -hmm. Hoping the mosquitoes would leave my lily white rear alone long enough to get the job done without getting too bitten up. When I was back there, though, I could not shake the feeling of being watched. Oh my gosh. Are these the least of your worries? This is not the least of my worries. I'm going to tell you I would be holding it as long as I can. Ain't happening. Nope. Anyway, as we stood around the fire listening to this heavy bipedal pacing back and forth, the boys all decided that this was their cue to get to bed in their tents. Because, you know, that's safer. Yeah, that. Because that way you can see what's coming at you. Zipper in that fabric. Yeah, that's right. It works. I stood there listening to the steps and I could hear deep, heavy breaths sort of like sort of like now I don't know this movie so maybe you do sort of like Irk High in front of Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings Two Towers movie Urukai. Urukai, is that how you say it? I am a nerd. Okay. Yes, I am a big Sort nerd. of like a Urukai in front of mm-hmm. Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings Two Towers movie. Uh-huh. There was no rock throwing or tree knocking, no apparent intimidation behaviors. It just seemed to be something satisfying its curiosity about something. Like yeah. who they were, what were they yeah. doing there? Well, that's probably a, a, not a heavily trafficked area. Oh, my God. So... Oh, no, what? This guy. I would never do this. Oh, God. He's going to go. When I heard the breathing, I decided that maybe it was time for me to go to bed, too. Hell no. No, I'd be talking. I'd be talking to other cats. Like, listen, now these these children's lives are in our hands, so we're going to have to take turns. Well, he did it because he didn't want, because some of the boys were getting spooked. And he wanted to, to have a good example of courage. Idiot. Not courage. No. Not a good example of courage. The courageous thing would be to stay up and take a watch. Um, So this is what he decided to do, which is crazy. I would have done the watch. I'm with you on that. Yep. Um, So I laughed about it, and I told them to get to bed before Bigfoot gets them. What an... What an... I'm about ready to say the mother word. I'm picturing this man as a scrawny... Door. It's like, as I lay there in my tent, the footsteps began to fade away and whatever it was left us alone. A few minutes later, we heard some wolves howling in the distance. And then we heard closer deep howl that sounded just like the Ohio Bigfoot howl. Yeah. But without the dogs barking. 
When the howl was heard, the wolves abruptly shut up. I told the boys, that's the big guy himself, you guys. And the howl was repeated, though it sounded further away the second time. A moment or so later, I could faintly hear another howl, barely audible, and it took a while, but we finally all drifted off to sleep. I really wanted to see what it, what exactly it was, especially since I am a longtime Bigfoot enthusiast. But honestly, I was too unnerved to try it, and no one would have gone with me, especially after the breathing sounds I heard. The breathing was deep and heavy and sounded like it was coming from a very big animal. Curious about who we were and what we were doing in his woods. Once I heard the sounds, though, I knew it was time for me to back down and pack it in. They didn't hear a bear or a moose or a cougar. They knew that's a cougar. What the hell? What are you doing to my boy? No. I would be like, you are not taking my son to where there's bears. No. Bigfoot. Nope. Boars. Nope. Because boars will attack. Oh, bad. They're vicious. Deadly. Cougars. Hell no. Cougars attack. No. No freaking way would I let Absolutely my, my son go. Absolutely not. No. 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 So. It's a no from me. I have a little story as well. Oh, good. So, my family and I rented a cottage this week on a small private lake called Spectacle Lake. Okay. The cottage is surrounded by forest, and the region has a good population of moose, deer, wolf, beaver, and bear. Hmm. Typicals. Yeah, typicals. On Monday, July 27th, when we arrived, 1,500 hours. Okay, at 1,500 hours. Oh, you got the military military guy. Yeah. We're assuming it's military. Yeah. That's three o'clock. I said I was going to say, I didn't know that. Yeah. I always get my military time mixed up, even though, you know, it's just like it just doesn't sound natural. Whatever your number is, I subtract 12. So that'd give me three. Like if you subtract 12 from 15, okay, listen, that'd give me three. If I got to tell time by doing math, I don't yeah. want to do it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so this person obviously is, has a military background. Okay. So yeah. um, there's a lot of military time in here. So I will probably do my best. Okay. But if I get a number or two wrong, don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> Just say. Please leave a comment and let us know, but don't yeah. sue me. Yeah. Um, okay. They got unpacked, got settled in for the afternoon. At 1,800 hours, so 6 o'clock, they had a nice dinner. Then they sat around a bonfire and approximately 20 hours, at approximately 20 hours, so that's um, 8 o'clock, that's when the bonfire started. Okay, that seems reasonable. So then about 10 o'clock, so 2,200 hours, while sitting and talking around the fire, heard something across the lake in the distance. I told everyone to be quiet because I could hear something above the sound of our fire. Then I heard these series of howls come from across the lake. The distance across the lake is about 500 meters. They're very approximate. I like that. I I appreciate that. uh, Yeah. It feels very... Yeah. I feel like I need to stiffen up a little bit. Yeah, it's like, might want to salute. Yeah. The area has thick forest with cliffs in the background. The howls seem to come well beyond the distance across the lake and even beyond the cliffs behind the tree line. So I would estimate the cliffs to be approximately 150 meters high. I don't know meters. So this one I will not do math on. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Do you want the math on that? You're going to have to do that one yourself. Get your calculator out. We don't know. I don't meter. (laughs) I don't meter. The only meters I know are the ones I put change in. So... (laughs) 
So, um, there are no cottages directly across the lake. There are three small cottages at a distance to the north of them. However, no one was in those cottages that week. So, um, having heard these kinds of sounds before, I figured it was Sasquatch. Really? But no one else in my group has experienced this. Ooh. So, naturally, they were very taken aback and quite excited by this. You know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. You would be. Oh, I'd be excited by you that. You would be. I would well, yeah. want to see it, maybe, but hear it, I'd be okay with. Well, especially but especially if it creepy. seems that far away. Yeah. I mean... You know, 150 meters high, 500 meters across. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. That's a that's, good distance. And yeah. it's across a lake. Yeah. Do squatches swim? I don't know. I don't think they do. I don't think so. Because remember in John's imagine. story, he said that their guide decided to stay on an island. Right. Right. See, because it, they, he felt safer. Absolutely. To bring him to an island. Absolutely. So, I, I'm... Yeah. So, I'm with I'm with John. Yeah. They're, they're not. There was the safety in yeah. staying on the island. So. Right. Well, we know they don't bathe. Very true. Very true. They stink. So, um, they've got the water, so. Um, everyone agreed the house did not sound like wolves, coyotes, loons, deer, moose, or any other kind of animal that we're familiar with. So, these howls went on intermittently for about an a-, a half an hour, and each time it happened, there were around three to four of them howling. Oh, three so it, it might be... Why couldn't it be wolves, though? <clears throat> they well, apparently they're they're quite the nature enthusiasts, and they said they know wolves, coyotes, loons. Well, um, it's four. It sounds like know. it may be four, like calling yeah. to each other. Yeah, they're hey, what you got out? They're probably dinner, looking for yeah. dinner. Like, what you doing tonight? Yeah, yeah. Got anything on your side of the lake? Egg, absolutely, <laughs> right. Got any food? Are we invited? Are we invited? Yeah. Yeah. Are you still having that dinner party, Tom, Absolutely. that you've been talking about for months? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said it was a nice dinner. Yeah. So they wanted to be invited. So then about midnight, fire's dying down. We're heading into the cottage for the night. But just before going in, we heard a large branch break and it was pretty close by. Okay. So uh, I would estimate around 20 feet from the cottage. Are they still outside? They're heading in. They're putting the fire out. Okay. It's they're putting down. the fire out. Yeah. This was about 20 feet from the cottage in the tree line. It happened in the tree line and it was a clear, distinct crack of a tree limb. Like heavy. Yep. I would estimate this person is good. Okay. I would estimate of about one inch or more. So that's a big, good sized branch. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I knew what this was having experienced this many times. And so I tried to peer into the tree line to see if I could see anything. I heard nothing else, saw nothing else. I did not want to shine a flashlight because I knew this might end the activity for the night. So I went inside the cottage. They 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 wanted to have activity. (laughs) Yep. Well, they've seen it before, so they've been close enough to where they've had it. They must be... I wonder if they're more... They're related, like they're a part of this BF whatever right right like maybe um one of their investigators right, they, or i mean they, knew, they were like this is yeah. sasquatch this is pretty this sounds like a very i don't um, know the whole thing well re- this this is a very well known mm-hmm. that or a um person who who knows this yeah. type of it sounds yeah. like they're educated very on much what so. they're hearing i agree with that um so i went inside the cottage we all went to bed shortly afterwards at three thirty one hours which is, I would say, 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, 
I looked at the time immediately. That's a note in here. <laughs> something hit or threw something at the cottage very hard. It shook the cottage and woke all of us up. Keep in mind, this is a fairly large cottage that is two stories tall with a basement walkout and sleeps eight of us well. Wow, that is a big that's cottage. A big that's cottage. a house. Yeah, that's a house. That's not a. Co- that's like a fancy cottage. So it threw something. Threw something at the cottage, and he Absolutely. heard it and heard it. Everybody it heard it. it. It woke everybody up. It shook the cottage. Uh, okay. Strong. I knew what was happening, and I got up to look around. I wanted to rule out any of the kids or dogs possibly walking around and maybe knock something off a shelf in the dark. So I walked around all of the house top to bottom. Everyone, including the dogs, were in their beds. The dogs never moved from their spots, even though I know they heard and felt that bang. Wow. This is very much like Dixie. Yes, it is. Didn't move. Didn't move. Nope. I looked outside. I saw nothing in the pitch darkness, so I went back to bed. I lay there awake, and I listened for any other activity. Then, about half an hour later, I could hear something mumbling or grumbling outside the open window. First of all, you left your window open. That's right. I'd be shut down that window. Dumb, dumb, dumb. dumb. That's just dumb, a screen dumb. in there. Dumb, 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 dumb. They're smart. Okay. I wonder if he so, was on the first floor or the second. I don't know. But still, what about your first floor? What if there's windows open downstairs? Absolutely not. I would never open a window. I don't open windows in my own home. I don't either. I'd be Ugh. shackling yeah. everything closed. I'd be like, shutting all the windows, yeah. closing all the drapes, yeah. um, hiding in the corner, right. <laughs> getting in the closet. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like totally terrified. This is terrifying to this me. This is terrifying to me, this too. This is probably the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah. Even in my own home. Agreed. Agree. This so is scary. a worst thing. So, the um. Okay, are you ready? The best way I can describe it, it was close to my window, but I still couldn't see anything when I looked out. I still did not want to shine a light, hoping for more activity. So this is a very experienced paranormal. This yeah. is experience. he's looking yes. for. They're here for this. If you go to look for it, you're gonna find you're gonna it. Find it. So, at 4.15 hours, something gave a long, hard scrape along the outside of the cottage. Then, nothing. What time was it? 4.15. So, the first one was at 3.31. Yep. Then, 30 minutes later, they heard heard the the mumbling mumbling, grumbling. And now now at 4.15, the scrape. Fuck. In the morning at 6.30, I woke up, once again, very military. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is... Getting up at 6.30 yeah. on a vacation? Right. That's really military. That's probably yeah. his sleeping in. Yeah, really. <laughs> Check. He's slipping. Yeah. He got a good He got a good 12 hours. He, or a good seven hours. He's yeah, like, right. man. He's good to go. three extra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So checked the, I checked the outside perimeter of the cottage and the surrounding area. The ground is hard all around the cottage, so I found no imprints. I went inside the tree line, but still could find no definite, no definite prints. I could see no handprints or sites of damage on the outside walls of the cottage. I couldn't find the tree break. Couldn't even see. Couldn't even see anything. Um, couldn't see any rocks or sticks laying close by to the cottage uh, that could have been thrown. Found no physical signs of any of that. Really? Yeah. Maybe they cleaned up after themselves. I mean, they might have. They might have. Hmm. Isn't that That's terrifying. 
Yeah. Okay. I would not do. I will not be there. I'm not going there. So they stayed. I know. They stayed longer. Oh, you mean they stayed longer than I thought they got yeah. up the next day and left. The next <laughs> night, July 28th, while sitting by our bonfire again, we heard the same screams and howls from across the lake. This would occur off and on till about 5 a.m. The recording I took from the bedroom window um, of that night at 2.31 a.m. Either put your computer... Okay, they, they have a They have a recording. This. Okay. It says, you know, listen closely and listen to it. There are four howls heard, and the last one is the loudest and clearest. No more activity of any kind on Wednesday or Thursday, but they heard the screams or howls again on Friday, July 31st, during the night. This definitely military. It gives you coordinates, latitude, longitude. Like, just, I mean, yeah, he's definitely temperature. Like, or, I mean, it gives you like what? Is, what is his status with this BFRO? Okay, so follow up investigation by a BFRO investigator, Matthew Moneymaker. Oh, love that. Yeah, that's he's well known. Yeah, in um, in the in the paranormal Bigfoot, Bigfoot sightings. sightings. Yeah, he's been around a long time. I've heard yeah. his name before. So the witness has been a BFRO investigator. Ah, uh, yeah, many just gave it years. away. Gave it away. Yeah, yep. he's too detailed. Yes, way too detailed. He attended many expeditions and heard Sasquatches on several occasions. He is a police officer. Oh, so he's got some that credibility. credibility. Yeah. Assigned to the SWAT team. Oh gosh. So he's done some training. I yeah. mean, he is. You yeah, know, this guy knows. So he could have still have some military background. Yeah. But this, I mean, that still is in line with the police officer kind of. This I bet timing, you nobody so. makes fun of him. Many people in BFRO know him. So uh, the Madawaska Valley is two and a half hour drive from Ottawa. If you live within an easy driving range of Madawaska Valley, you have a timely opportunity to obtain more sound recordings at this location. If not, video footage. Hell no. The howls <laughs> will likely continue intermittently until fall. So if you camp anywhere near Spectacle Lake, which is where this was, um, BFRO investigators can find out about the specific cabin described in the reports, like by contacting the witness directly. Um, you can they can look up contact information, let you know all of this. Uh, the sound recording isn't good enough to be used for like a playback in the field. Mm -hmm. The howls are very faint. <laughs> Southern Fried Frights would like to give John Rose a Bigfoot howl. And we'd also like to thank him for his contribution and his support of this podcast. You can catch John's music or read about John on his website, www.roseworksproductions.com. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next time. That's all for this break, folks. Thanks for stopping by a spell. And don't forget to send us your WTF stories to Southern Fright Frights at Outlook.com. We would appreciate you following us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and all major podcast platforms. Lord willing and the creep don't rise, we'll holler at you later. <laughs>